guys, we've been so good for so long. Uh, hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 255 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Adam. That is Jill. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm really... I'm really excited for you. I'm a fan of the person we spoke with today, but I think you're a bigger fan of where she comes from. So first, (laughs) tell people what the second half of this episode is. Okay, so the second half, if you totally want to skip ahead, which I would not blame you for, is um, an interview we did with Keiko Agena, who played Lane on Gilmore Girls. What? Lane! We had Lane on our podcast, y'all. She has a um, book out called No Mistakes which is a workbook for artists of all kinds, like no matter what your medium is, um, including writing and just all sorts of other things. And it, um, I, I'm just like, I just like can't even. It's like, super hard to describe. She does a better job than we are. She does. But um, it's like part like adult coloring book, part like therapy we kind of talk about, part um, like, like workbook to help artists of any kind. So there's writing prompts and there's drawing prompts and there's all sorts of stuff plus she's hilarious okay no joke when um we call because it was over phone as most of our podcast uh, interviews are and she she got on the line and i turned to adam and i whispered this is so weird it's like (laughs) hearing her voice i was like oh my god it's lane yeah on the phone right now well not only that um this was one of the interviews we did that was kind of in the middle of like a press junket and she was also doing acting important things during that day so we literally had 20 minutes so she normally when we call people who might not be aware of what our podcast is or what the overdrive is we like to describe it ahead of time but we were literally only had 20 minutes so she answered the phone she goes hello and i was just like hi we're the podcast people it's us hello here we are and she's like yeah hi like she's all nice but i didn't have time to get into it so i was just like do you have questions for us? I forgot how to speak. Pretty so, much. Um, but because that interview is pretty short and we talk about her workbook, but we always know anytime we do an episode and we don't give you a book recommendations, people sass us. So that's fine. That's what we are as a recommendation podcast. So Jill and I are going to give you some books that we've read lately that we're enjoying. So I didn't ask you ahead of time. How many would you like to talk about? I have three to four. Oh, okay, cool. You want to go first? Sure. So um, I recently read a couple weeks ago The Perfect Mother by Amy Malloy. It is. It came out a couple months ago, and it's about a group of new moms whose kids were all born in May, and um, they get together. They have like a – they're like online friends, you know, through a group thing. Um, forum chat type thing. <laughs> Social network. Are we trying to get social media, social network? Anyway, they (laughs) a forum. What is this? Yeah, it's like an AOL. It's like an AOL group. Like you log on really slow. We have a CD. You log on with that, and then like you put in like Mr. Rad Dude Forty (laughs) Two, and then you go into the Mario Kart discussion board. (laughs) Am I close? Discussion board. It's kind of like that. So anyway, (laughs) these moms are all friends. They get together every once in a while, and they go off to drink and and go out um for a night out one evening without the children and while they're out one of their kids is kidnapped and it is this whole thing about um you know what happened to the kid like i mean he's a baby like who has them all this stuff um but it also um 
I think is interesting because it asks a lot of questions about, you know, how how well do you really know someone you only know online or you only, you know, see in person once, a, you know what I mean, once a month? Like, how well do you really know these people? That's such that's such an interesting concept because it's such a pertinent thing in our world today. I have so many online friends who I will literally be friends with them for years before I ever see them. And then there's even just the, like, social niceties when you see them for the first time. You're like, do I hug you? Do we fist bump? Do I yeah. shake your hand? Oh, I definitely have. Just those things? Yeah, like, friends that I've met online and then, yeah, that I've known for years. And if, some of them I have not yet met in person. Yeah. But we have daily conversations all the time. Oh, um, you mean like Jandra who... Okay, she... <laughs> Hi, Jandra. Who I have met only once at Digipalooza like six years ago and were the best of buds. And now you two are best of buds and you, you weren't here at that. You, you should see. <laughs> like she and I have daily threads in, in both our... And like Instagram and Twitter um, DMs. Just oh, like I assume because I see the ones that you guys don't DM and I'm like... I'm, it's like what it's like that the picture of an otter holding a baby otter. I'm like, I made this. <laughs> I just watch you two chat back and forth. She'll like go weeks without sending me a message now, and I'm just like, oh, cool, no, Jandra and Joe. Daily, yeah. Whatever, you guys. You're <laughs> both so was, cool. Yeah. So yeah. So that's the perfect mother. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> uh, the first one I want to talk about is called the call. I don't know if I brought this up on a previous episode yet, but it is by Pater. Ogian, who is an Irish author, and his name is wonderful, and I looked up how he says his name to make sure. It's like if you took The Hunger Games and made it more ruthless and made it a horror novel, it is brutal. And I'm in. I, in meaning like the best possible way. So you're it's in Ireland and it posits a world where thousands of years ago humans sent fairies to this other land like they banish them to almost like an underworld type of a thing and the underworld place it's all gray it's basically like this hellscape where everything is terrible and impossible and the fairies live there and every children every children every child gets before their 18th birthday they get called to this land and they have to spend an entire day there with the fairies basically hunting them. An entire day in human time is three minutes and four seconds. So you'll you'll be like having a conversation with a friend and they'll just disappear for three minutes and four seconds. And after that three minutes and four seconds, their body returns and they're either dead or they've survived. The overwhelming majority of people do not survive. Wait, what? You get called into this, like you just vanish in, in thin air at some point before you turn 18. You don't know when it's going to happen. And you have to survive this 24-hour time in these fa- in this fairy world. And the fairies are just ruthless. And, like, they're so happy to murder people. And they, he goes into ridiculous detail about how they're being murdered. Um, it's like Game of Thrones in the sense that you start enjoying a character. And you're like, boy, actor or the author sure is writing about this character a lot. They're gone. Like, just, he, there's no one is safe. It's so good. I was like breathless I, I was holding my breath listening to the audiobook which is also wonderful i've told like 10 different people our our local library probably has like 15 checkouts of this book over the past two months because i've told so many people and it's like a seven hour audiobook you can get through it really quickly like one of us would borrow it and return it and then someone else would go borrow and return it it's the first of a series and the second one just came out as well but it's called the call and 
it like wrecked me in a way that a book I've never heard of I didn't think could do. It's so creepy. You need you need oh, to I'm listen to this. Old. Good. Good. Well, you should get it soon because I think the person who has it right now is Ricky, our social media specialist. Oh, okay, great. Um, yeah. I, oh, you guys. It's so good. And go look up at the various covers of this book because they do an awesome job of, like, drawing the fairies. Oh, this might be my favorite thing I've listened to in a long time. Wow. Continue. Okay. Um, my next one is Final Girls by Riley Sager. Um, our coworker Megan mentioned this one on the Sharp Objects Read Alike podcast episode we did a couple weeks back. This is about um, three women who survived um, like brutal murder, not like serial killer things, but where like multiple people were murdered in a single instance i don't know how to refer um like a mass yes killing kind of thing it's sort of like a mass killing thing they were the survivors the only ones who made it out alive um and the three of them are the final girls and they sort of get um idolized in some ways or glamorized or whatever Mm -hmm. like people are sort of fascinated by this idea of the final girls and then one of them dies and it sets up this whole chain reaction with the other two um and so yeah, Megan talked about it, and I was like, okay, well, I have to read that book. And it was really, it was really good. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I will say that um, it kept me guessing. Yeah. Yeah, the whole way. And, well, not the whole way. There actually was a point, like, halfway through, I was like, I think I figured it all out. I did not at all. So I'm uh-huh. glad I kept reading, because that ending I did not see coming. Yeah, that sounds really good. Um, so my, my next one is, it's called Haunting the Deep. It's the second book in the How to Hang a Witch series by Adriana Mather. I talked about How to Hang a Witch, I want to say earlier this year, like at the very beginning of this year. How to Hang a Witch is Adriana Mather has um, her like great, 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 great grandfather was Cotton Mather, who was one of the people who basically like, yeah, the face you just made is right. Like Cotton Mather is one of the people who like led the Salem witch trials. Mm-hmm. Um, so her family grew up, like, she's from Salem, Massachusetts. Her whole family is like, she has this rich history that can be considered very problematic in the sense that, like, her ancestors were the ones who were basically killing witches. And so she wrote this original story, How to Hang a Witch, about this girl, this Samantha Mather, who she basically is, like, projecting herself onto this girl if she could perform magic like this girl can. Her Basically, the girl that she writes in the story is a witch. And so in the first book, everything that happens is obviously fantastical, but it all has historical basis. Like, she can trace all the events that happened in the first book on these historical situations while she was researching the first book she found that there she also had uh survivors from her family that were on the titanic shut up her family tree is buck wild um so she wrote a book called haunting the deep which is the second one all about kind of like a ghost version of the titanic and it's also really really good it's it follows the same characters it's super fun uh, it's a perfect book for like leading into fall um, and then at the end, much like the first book at the end, there's this author note where she explains how she came up with the idea and what it all means to her and her family. It's super cool. I'm really, I really like that she does this at the end of her books. Um, and much like you said, about two thirds of the way through, I was like, oh, this is what's going to happen. And it is not what is going to happen. So that's how, uh, that's haunting the deep. Really, either of the books by Adriana Mather, you should check out. Um, so I, for whatever reason, have been reading a lot of suspense and thriller books lately. 
I sort of had this weird moment where I was like, what does it mean that I'm reading all these domestic thrillers right before, right before your wedding? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, awkward. So I, <laughs> um, so I decided to mix things up a little bit. And um, a Penny Reed, who we've had on our podcast multiple times. Penny. Penny. So I've read Penny's Knitting in the City series, but our co-workers, Emma and Megan, love the Winston Brothers and have talked about the Winston Brothers series many, many, many times. And finally, I was like, I'm going to read the Winston Brothers series. Yeah, it's as good as they say. Yeah. Like, it is so good. So I read the first one, Truth or Beard. Um, <laughs> and then... The third one, though, Beard Science is the one that everybody talks about. And so I may have skipped two just to go right to yeah. Beard Science. But it's okay. I'll go back to two eventually. But um, Beard Science is the one that yeah gets, like, everyone Everyone loves that book. So Also, and I apologize to our buddy Penny. I can't remember which, the, the new, her newest book um, debuted on the New York Times bestsellers list. Yes, it did. So congrats to our friend. Good job, Penny. Yeah. We'll have to have her back on at some we point. We will. I was thinking about that, too, as I was reading these books. I thought, we have not talked to Penny in a while. Maybe for a Thursday episode, just because our Mondays are pretty packed for the next couple of months. Um, so the one I'm reading right now is called The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter. Did you just gave me... Okay, I don't know if you know what this, knew what this was. Um, it's really cool. It's... Same thing. It's kind of like a murder mystery in, um, like, Victorian... England and it takes these characters from famous classic stories and provides you with people that are somewhat related to them and so like for example uh Mary Jekyll is the main character and then there is like Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson are in there um but there's also like the daughter of Edward Hyde is in there positing that maybe there be different people, maybe they're not. Um, Catherine Moreau, Justine Frankenstein, like all these female characters of like either daughters or female versions of these famous characters. And they have what's called the Athena Club. This appears to be the beginning of a trilogy. And like they're trying to solve a murder mystery. And it's really cool because like the book is written in a way that it's being written by one of them, but the other ones are like um, almost like a Greek chorus where they're like they'll interject into the story their own comments, and it's very funny because they're like bickering and arguing over what actually happened, and like one character will take over, and like um, Edward Hyde's daughter Diana is very like she swears a lot and she's very vulgar, and so she'll write something, and you'll see that like. The next, like the next part, will be like, I'm not gonna put everything you just said, Diana. <laughs> That's no one wants to read all those words. Like, it's very, it's really cool how they have it set up. It's a very unique take, and it's by, um, I want to say Theodora Ghost, or it's Theodora. I'm never sure. Um, but yeah, it. I'm like about halfway through, and it's it's really interesting. I have no idea what's going on. Like, from a plot standpoint, like, I have no idea what's going to happen. I know that's a bad way of saying that. I know what's happening in the plot. <laughs> I don't know where it's leading at all. So it's really cool. I, I would recommend it to people. It's very popular. I had a long wait list. I actually borrowed it, or I put it on hold so long ago that I forgot I'd put it on hold. So it was a nice surprise. So Whenever that happens to me, I'm, I'm sort of like, wait, why did I have this book on hold? Uh-huh. Uh, well, and also, not for nothing, I peek behind the curtain 
my wife and my father both use my library card at CCPL because we are very fortunate we can have 50 books checked out. They have their own library cards. They both have lost them. Nice job, guys. Um, so they still get new ones. I know, but they just don't. My father's retired. When will we find the time? They can just do their phone. No, they have, <laughs> but then like it's they just get it's oh, okay. this whole thing. Regardless, I so sometimes I'm like, well, did they borrow this book? But they didn't. Especially if it's an if it's an audiobook, I know it definitely was me. Anyway, or did you say three or did you have one more? No, I said three. Um, Beard Science is the one I'm oh. reading right now. Okay, cool. Um, so there's six recommendations for you that you may or may not have listened to if you didn't if you if you fast forwarded this or not. So, um, now we can get to the good stuff where you guys can can go listen to our interview with Keiko. But before that, if people can get want to get a hold of us, how can they do that? Go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. There you can find all of our fun social links for Twitter and Instagram, at ProBookNerds. You can also email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Yes, you can. And if you're listening to this on Thursday in real time, I'm driving to Delaware as we speak over the Chesapeake Bay Bridge and Tunnel, which I'm like debating doing a live stream from our Twitter on just so, that, so I have a reason to talk out loud because I'm going to freak out over the 23-mile-long bridge I have to drive on. So wish me luck. Um... All right, that's everything from us. I hope you guys enjoy this interview we did with Keiko Agena on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Jill and Adam. And with us today is Keiko Agena, who's best known for the TV show Gilmore Girls, where she played Lane Kim for seven seasons and reprised the role in 2016. She has also appeared on Scandal, Shameless, and the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why. She's a graduate of the UCB and IO West improv programs and has studied at Groundlings. She's also a visual artist and has a new book out called No Mistakes, which is a workbook for artists. Keiko, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jill. Thank you, Adam. Yeah. Glad to be here. So this is, when, you know, we said it's a, a book that's being released, but it's a little bit different than that. So can you maybe give our listeners kind of a, a description of what this, this workbook is? Oh, sure. So it's about 150 pages. Um, it has writing prompts and drawing prompts. Uh, it has quotes that are my favorite quotes. And then also it's uh, my philosophy about what I think is the most helpful to find and express your uh, creative voice. Um, and it's broken down into 10 different chapters. So each chapter has a little little bit of a focus. But if you want to, you can jump around throughout the book to whatever exercise you sort of feel is speaking to you in that moment. That's a general yeah. over, overview. Yeah. Are these exercises that you yourself do or have done as an artist? Yeah. You know what it is, is that when I was writing the book, I thought, well, what are the, what really, to be honest with you, what are the coping mechanisms that I use in my life to, um, to get the most out of myself as a creative person and also to heal and take care of myself when things are challenging as an artist? And so all of the ideas in there are things that I've had to use. You know, they're sort of my, um, it's sort of my toolbox for, um, the skills that I think, um, I've used as an artist to, to create a life 
in in the field, which is uh, which is sometimes um, or oftentimes <laughs> uh, very challenging. It's yeah. it, it's really funny that you said it's you know have ways that you kind of help yourself cope because I was literally as I've been going through this over the past couple of weeks, like it almost to me feels like like therapy sessions that you don't have to go somewhere to do like, I, but that I don't want that to be a negative connotation because I'm a huge believer in the power and the importance of, of therapy. But like this literally to me feels like something that I would go and talk to a therapist and like, and then they would say, okay, go back to your house and, you know, write down all the lists of the things that frustrate you or the people that matter to you and why they matter. Like to me, this literally feels like handheld therapy that you can access every day, whether it is struggling to be creative or you just need a way to kind of share your thoughts. Um, and isn't it cheaper than therapy? It's $17. Way so cheaper. Much. How many weeks of therapy could that cover? So much cheaper. Bargain, really, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at that price. No, I think the same way. I love therapy, and it, for me, it was therapy. This whole process has been therapeutic for me, but I, I agree. Listen, at that price, you should really just be giving several copies to your friends, right? <laughs> right, exactly. You'd be, yeah, it's totally great. That's what I think. I do actually want to ask you about the process because since it's oh, a sure. work, since it's a workbook, it's a little different than you know what we authors and writers we normally have on. And you did both the writing and the illustration. So how exactly, like, can you walk us through the process of of writing the book? Oh, sure. Um, well, originally it was going to be an adult coloring book because uh, about three years ago now, I think it's been, I started to draw just for myself. I did these little pen drawings and I would post them on Facebook and people would um, like them. And then this comment kept coming up that, uh, you know, if you did a coloring book, I would buy it and I would love to, to you know, color it in because I draw in black and white. And uh, so that was the impetus of it. And then I I was on a podcast on the Gilmore Guys podcast, and I was talk. He was asking me what I was up to, and I talked a little bit about that. And from the podcast, someone at Tarcher Peregrine, uh, which is a division of uh, Penguin Random House, contacted me. And so from that initial idea of maybe it would be an adult coloring book. Uh, as we were talking, and Monica Odom, who's my um, manager, uh, agent, w- we started to develop, well, um, you do want to have coloring pages in there, but what else do you want to use this this book to be? And so it sort of grew from that initial idea into being um, basic, like therapy, like what what is it that I need? What it, What would it be if I was walking through a bookstore and I picked up this book and I took it home? How what would, what would survive basically a purge in my house when I had to get rid of all the things that were not unnecessary? I wanted I wanted it to survive the purge, uh, uh, and so that's what it is basically. That's really, <laughs> or really hopefully funny. at least it survives my purge. Yeah. Everyone, but yeah. Um, so in, in here, there are, there's all sorts, like you mentioned, there's, there's writing prompts, there's coloring, there's, um, just like list building and things. There's really a a bunch of different creative, you know, kind of individual workshops that people can do in here. How do you think that these kind of could all apply for someone who say was an author? Like, for example, I like to write and I have literally no artistic ability when it comes to drawing and coloring, but like, how do you think those Mm. different 
things that you can do on a, a daily basis that are in this book would help people who maybe are just trying to write a story? Well, for me, I think it's always do what's fun and what's interesting. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're flipping through and to start off, you don't, you don't feel like doing any of the drawing. I mean, I could say, well, it's good for that side of your brain to, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but when is that ever fun? I mean, it's never great. I I never, you know, when I feel like, oh, I should really, like, you know, it doesn't matter. I feel like do what is interesting to you always because because then you get so much more out of it. So if it is that you find one exercise that you love and you just keep doing that and if that becomes something that you go to every day and you just keep doing that same exercise and it goes onto different pages and you keep doing that same exercise, but that's what's what you feel passionate about in that moment, then I say use use the book for whatever pieces of it um, mean something to you. And then if a year from now you come back and you go like, oh, maybe I feel like coloring something today just because I want to not think about anything and just have fun with that, then maybe that's the appropriate time to use it for that. And I think we should also mention that the book is called No Mistakes, but it's very much about making mistakes. <laughs> <Yes>. which. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. no, that like it's okay to make mistakes, and that I, yeah. you know, comes from your improv background of just you just keep on going. So, yeah, <laughs> there are no mistakes. There's no mistakes. There's nothing you can do or write in this book at all that would be, um, yeah, a mistake. I have to say, as a you know literal book nerd, with the name of our podcast, I love the fact that the pages are perforated. Like to, I to realize that, and I was like, oh my god, you could actually rip out each of these individual like exercises. Again, just a nerdy thing. Like I feel like every single aspect of this was so well thought out that it's just such it's like the perfect gift for a creative person. I love it. That's not a question. Oh, I'm just showering great. you with praise. Oh well, thank you. I accept the shower. <laughs> Sure, yeah. I, I love that too. So, yeah. how often do you find yourself doing like exercises like these when you're preparing for a role as an actress, or when you're going to do something for improv? Like, do, are these types of things that you find yourself doing every single day ahead of those, or is it just more so when you're struggling to find your voice for a character? I guess. Just, how often do you go back to these types of things? Um, I go back pretty often depending on on what it is i mean you know it sounds like a silly little thing but i i knew that at three times throughout the book i wanted to have uh the the idea of just breathing Mm -hmm. i knew i couldn't do it more than that i know i couldn't do like 150 (laughs) pages Okay, 
not maybe not everybody understands or is sympathetic, but I'm under I'm understanding sympathetic of how hard it is when things don't work out the way you want it to, and that it's okay to like take the time and really kind of it sounds hard, but literally mourn the loss of that idea or that project. Um, so sometimes I'll look at that page and be like, that's right, it's okay, it's okay that it's hard. <laughs> like you know, like kind of talk myself down, which, you know, I do all the time. Do you have one exercise in here that you, you find yourself coming back to more often than others? Um, you know, well, one that I, I do think about, it's not something that, um, this is going to sound a little challenging. Uh, and I also put caveats in it that not everybody needs to do it. (laughs) But um, the one exercise in there that's about um, having a five-year time limit mm-hmm. on what it is that you want to do, mm-hmm. um, I do. I, I don't go back to that often, but that is, I think, one thing that is very resonant with me. Um, is that for the good thing about it? I'll just pitch it for people. You don't have to do it. But the good thing about putting a five-year time limit on maybe some endeavor that you want to do or how you see yourself is that um, you just really go very hard for those five years and you give everything that you can. And then at the end of that time, then you can walk away from it or change without any guilt because you've, you've invested and you've really worked hard towards it for a certain amount of time. Um, so that's something I think about a lot, but it's not, um, uh, you know, something that repetitively I go back. To. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, by the way, just a, a quick callback when you're talking about having breathe in here multiple times. I actually have a tattoo on my arm that says breathe, so I respect that it's in there multiple times. You what? I literally have a tattoo yeah, on my arm in my mom's handwriting that says breathe, so I respect <gasps> that it's in here multiple times. Oh, my God. Gosh, wow, that's next level. Oh, wow, that's a dedication to that. That's so cool. Did your mom have cool handwriting? Um, it, Yeah, a little bit. She was very reluctant. I have three siblings, and all four of us have it. And we were like, listen, you, because it's like, that's always her advice to us as well when we're freaking out. She oh. would just be like, listen, guys, just oh take a deep breath. Gosh. So, yeah. So. Did you guys all go? Um, I'm sorry if your listeners already know this, but did you no. guys all go at the same time? Um, two of us went. Two of us went first, and then the other two went. And got it at some point. We had, like we're weird. We had like, like half my many tattoos. My other siblings also have. We're very maybe we're just not that oh, creative. Really? I guess. <laughs> no, I love that. I don't have any, but I've always said that if I ever did get a tattoo, I have three sisters. That it would be something like that, where it was something that I shared with them. Mm-hmm. I think would be would be um, uh, so, something that I would do. So that's oh, that's so nice. Well, listen, if you guys need my mom's handwriting for that <laughs> tattoo, <laughs> can you imagine that pitch? Just how would my mom feel about it? She'd be like, "Wait, you have some other mother's uh, handwriting." <laughs> What's wrong with my handwriting? Oh, man. Like, I don't know, Mom. It just came up. Oh. It just came up during a podcast <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. So as a huge Gilmore Girls fan, I feel like I have yes. to at least ask one question about the Gilmore Girls, which is what was it What was it like returning to Stars Hollow after all that time? 
You know, I will say that it was the best um, feeling because I don't know if, when, if people know this, but when we ended the show in 2007, the original, you know, the, the, the Gimmel Girls main seasons, um, we didn't know that we were being canceled. And I think a lot of people thought, oh, well, maybe we'll get another year. So at the, um, you know, at the last day of shooting or even at the party afterwards, there wasn't really any closure at all uh, that we kind of had moments with people. And so it to me, it always felt like a little bit of a cliffhanger, per- just personally in my life. So when we, and I never, 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 never thought that we would be able to come back and do another uh, a reunion type show. So the fact that it happened, I couldn't believe it that people were able to do it and the you know the stars aligned and we could film another four episodes of it. I was just it, it was a it was a it was a I can't explain it. It was mm-hmm. so. Um, it was so freeing also just we it was every time i was there it was just like a celebration of like saying oh this is i'm so glad that we got a chance to do this and 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 that people have embraced the show i don't know that we really fully celebrated the the, that people had have have embraced the show as much went to the second time we came back into this thank you (laughs) (laughs) no look i had to ask i had to ask interviews we have something we call the nerd nine which are nine sort of light-hearted questions try not to put too much thought into these okay okay what was, right. what was the last book you finished reading um would be yumi sakagawa's a uh, little book of life hacks what was the book that made you fall in love with reading oh um uh 100 years of solitude Good answer. Do you have a favorite place you like to read? On my bed. What is one place you would like to travel to that you haven't been to yet? Spain. Favorite holiday? Uh, my mom's birthday. She Aww. thinks it's a holiday. Aww. That's so cute. <laughs> Um, I try to go to Hawaii during that time. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, cats or dogs? Uh, cats. Coffee or tea? Tea. Favorite food? Pickled mango. Ooh. Wow. Really that good. does sound really good. Um, and if you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? It started out, I was going to say my husband, but that seems... Um, you you can say that. <laughs> that. I'm going to say my husband. That works. Any work. other answer would be like trying to sound smart. <laughs> I'll just say my husband. Well, He's my favorite person to eat with. I, well, that makes... I mean, you, I imagine you spend the most meals with him, so that makes right. sense. Um, okay, yeah. I know, I know you're strapped for time, but one last question for you. What do you hope people sure. take away from picking up no mistakes i hope that people will um be more lighthearted with themselves 
and uh, to look at themselves with kindness and to look and listen to other people with kindness, whether it's about art or whether it's about people having different ideas than they do politically or otherwise even, just to um, to take away some of the um, the voice that we all have in our in our heads about being so critical about everything. That would be my hope. That was wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Keiko. Oh, thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.